it is great to see each of you here today. However, I want to apologize to uh, a few people here. Um, since I've been here, I've uh, spoke at the men's breakfast back in November. Uh, then I spoke at Christian Women's not too long ago. And now, somehow, you got stuck with me at the Good Friday service. And so, for those of you who are getting tired of me, I just apologize. And I hope that you can bear with me for a few minutes this morning as we look into the Word of God and allow our hearts to be challenged and encouraged. The passage of Scripture was read not long ago, Luke 23, verses 13 to 25. And that is a specific and key moment in the life of Jesus. He stands before Pontius Pilate and a crowd of people. Not sure how many people were there that day, but perhaps a group just like us. And as he stood there, even though he was declared innocent by Pontius Pilate, the crowd still felt differently. And in this passage of Scripture, I believe that we have three of the most scariest words that were ever recorded in the Bible. In Luke chapter 23, verse 18, those scariest words were shouted out by the crowd hours before the crucifixion of Jesus. And those words were these three words, Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. And the scriptures let us know that the voice of the crowd prevailed and a convicted killer was released over the greatest spiritual man who had ever walked on the face of the earth. And it brings us to a point in the scriptures to ask a question. The question is really simple. Why? Why would the crowd feel this way? Why? Why would any group of people request to release a convicted murderer rather than allowing a spiritual leader continue his itinerant ministry in the dusty back roads of Judea? Why would a group of people feel more threatened by someone claiming to be the good shepherd than by someone who had already shed the blood of another man? How could a crowd return a cruel murder to its streets? instead of just allowing a great spiritual teacher to continue proclaiming the truth. These questions can be answered. However, the answers are not that pretty, to be honest. The answers bring a kind of indictment to the human race, and that includes both you and me. If some of us were there at that time, could we have allowed ourselves to be caught in, in that crowd? shouting those words, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Quite a few years ago when I was ministering in Timmins, Ontario, I ran a, a ministry program called Celebrate Recovery. Some of you may have heard of this program before. Celebrate Recovery was a, a wide-open program. Anyone was welcome to come, anyone who was willing to admit that they had hurts, habits, or hang-ups in their life. It's amazing how the crowd grew and how many individuals came through those doors. One of my team members was rather impressive, though. His name was Terry. Terry was possibly one of the most solid individuals that I have maybe ever met. 
I mean, if you wanted to get encouraged, Terry was your guy. If you were struggling with something, Terry was your guy. He would pray for you. He would support you. He would lift you out of that mud almost like there was a special anointing specifically on him to be able to do that. And there were two keys in this program in order for anyone to receive success. The first one was to turn your life over to Jesus Christ, the greatest thing. The second thing was to choose a mentor, to choose a good mentor who would hold you accountable. Two individuals that were in my program were struggling greatly. One of them was a former worship leader. He led worship in very large crowds all across North America. He was a partner with David Wilkerson, if you ever heard the, of the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. This individual was addicted to three very overpowering things in his life. He was addicted to alcohol. He was addicted to heavy drugs, shooting up acid. And he was addicted to pornography. There was another individual in my group who had the same three challenges. And it seemed like they were moving forward until we sat down one day and I was talking to them. And I said to them, I said, have you chose your mentor yet? And they said, yes, we have. We've chose our mentor and I said, do you mind me asking, who is that mentor? And they said, well, we've chosen each other. And I said, really, you've chosen each other? I said, why would you not choose Terry? He's available for you. You can call him at 2 or 3 in the morning if you're struggling. He will wake up. He will answer the call. He will come and meet you. He will do whatever is necessary. But both of them responded to me and said that they felt intimidated by Terry. They felt that uncomfortable. You see, it is infinitely easier to rub shoulders with someone who is morally inferior to us than it is to hang around someone who is morally superior to us. Rubbing shoulders with people who are morally inferior to us makes us feel good. They make us feel comfortable and unthreatened. However, in this particular case, these guys just couldn't be comfortable around somebody who was morally superior. Rubbing shoulders with someone who is our unquestionable moral superior can really challenge our lives. I could tell that day that both of these individuals really didn't want to get well. When we are in the presence of someone far superior then we are morally, we tend to get those awful feelings of not measuring up, the feelings of being shown up, the feelings that we are missing the mark, failing the test, feelings of guilt and self-approach, feelings that cause a, a moral discomfort which few people just can't bear for very long. It comes to a point where something has to be done. There must be a resolve to such a, a moral dilemma. Well, in this particular time frame in the Bible, the scribes and Pharisees were the spiritual leaders. And they prided themselves in their righteousness. They scrupulously obeyed hundreds of laws and felt that that was the true test of godliness. 
They thought that they were the ones that set the standard for holiness until the day came when Jesus was on the scene. When Jesus began to circulate amongst the Pharisees and in the area, an ugly thing happened. He began to exceed the Pharisees' standard of righteousness. And it truly bothered them. You see, his love for people was purer than theirs. His love for God was greater than theirs. His wisdom was deeper. His sense of judgment was keener. His insights into life were richer. His, his personal standard of purity was much higher. The scribes and the Pharisees knew it, and they were greatly concerned that many people were also catching on as Jesus was influencing many, and the crowds were following him and not listening to them no longer. As a result, their comfort level began to sink, and they felt exposed. They couldn't pull the wool over people's eyes any longer because there was someone there that was much wiser. They hated those feelings of discomfort, and so they took a crack at playing hardball with Jesus. You see, they would try to trip him up publicly by asking him classic double-minded questions to see if they could make him stub his moral toe. However, Jesus didn't miss a beat, of course. Jesus didn't stumble. In fact, the Pharisees found out something different. They found out that Jesus could also play hardball, too. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, we have some of the statements that Jesus makes to these men. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish out, and, and cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Verse 27. You hypocrites, once again. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The Pharisees knew these words were true. And it brought them to the place where they couldn't handle it no more. Something had to be done. They had two choices. Choice number one would be to admit that Jesus was right. And they were wrong. To be able to say something like, yes, you're right, we are hypocrites. Yes, you're right, we are whitewashed tombs. Yes, we're, we're full of dead bones. Through genuine repentance, they could have experienced his complete forgiveness. They could have been set free. However, they went with choice number two. To remove Jesus from the scene. In other words, let's, let's push him away. Let's push him out. If you don't like the standard, then remove the standard barrier. This was the choice they made. 
You see, if give us Barabbas is among the scariest words in Scripture, there are three other words that rank among the most difficult to say. Also three words, three simple words. Those words go like this. I have sinned. I have sinned. The interesting thing with those three words is that human beings have choked on those words right back to the Garden of Eden. You know the story. After Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? God calls Adam out from hiding and he says to Adam, he says, what happened? Do you remember that part? He says, well, God, he says something like this in my paraphrased version. She made me do it. Guys, I just want to let you know, never use those lines. They will get you in a lot of trouble. Adam was in a lot of trouble that day. He says, it, it was the woman. She's the one that brought this on. God speaks out to the woman, and what does the woman do? The woman, she blames it on the devil. Now, interestingly enough, you've got to know, I, I don't feel sorry for the devil by any means. But the fact of the matter is, Adam and Eve demonstrated right from the beginning of time that those three words, I have sinned, I have sinned, are three easy words that humanity chokes on. You see, it's so easy for us to, to blame others. It's so easy for us to blame circumstances that take place in our life. It's so easy for children to, be, uh, to, to blame their parents or for parents to blame their children. It's so easy for us to blame our siblings. It's, it's their fault, of course. It's, it's easy for us to blame teachers. It's easy for us to blame pastors. It's easy for us to blame churches. It's, it's easy for us to blame employers or employees, and the list goes on. Some people say their, their life was unfair, that, that people have been unfair, that they have been treated unfairly. I'm sure we can all use that card, but let me ask you the question, question today. What was fair for Jesus? And if you and I happen to be one of, one of his followers today, why wouldn't we want to take the same route as him? The route of love and grace. Today, we are reminded that his standard is higher. His love is greater. His grace is sufficient. That no matter what we face, no matter how unfair the treatment might be, the, the fact of the matter is, is rather simple. The fact is that through his power and grace, we can overcome. But today as we draw to a conclusion, I believe there are three things that sum up everything that I've just talked to you about. The first one is that Jesus set a higher standard that is greater than any form of religiosity. Along with any challenge or concern or problem that you or I will ever face in your life. 
The second thing is that you can speak religion, you can attempt to obey certain laws that suit you, but yet be like the Pharisees and end up missing everything that God accomplished for you on the cross through the person of Jesus Christ. Or the third thing is a very stifling reality that in life we all come to the same crossroads that offer us two choices, just like the scribes and Pharisees. You see, to rub shoulders with Jesus and do what the, the scribes and Pharisees and crowd members were unwilling to do, to repent, to admit to our sins, to just do what they were unwilling to do, to come to that place where, where we would be willing to speak those words, the words that set us free. You see, friends, Jesus went to the cross to set us free. And so if you are somebody here today and you have not experienced that freedom, if you are somebody here that is bound in some form of bondage, if you are somebody here today and you are feeling guilty and convicted, shamed, frustrated, all of those things today, you need to know that what this is about is that Jesus went to the cross for you so that you could receive that freedom, that grace, that power to overcome. And we access that power through repentance by coming to that place where we speak the words, I have sinned, Lord. I need you, Lord. If we choose to take the route of the Pharisees where we push Jesus away, where we force him out of our lives, and, and isn't that easy to do? We so easily can force him out of our lives. We can subtly do it or we can forcefully do it in terms of just walking away from him. Removing him from our mental landscape where we just choose not to think about him anymore, dwell on him anymore, pray. If we would choose to do that or if we have chose to done that, let me ask you the question, what would be different than speaking the words, give me Barabbas? Give me Barabbas. Well, the crowd got what they wanted. And Jesus was led to a place, as we know, in the scriptures called Golgotha. And he carried that, that heavy cross. And that cross was heavy because your sin and my sin was placed on that cross as he carried it. He was completely innocent the perfect Lamb of God, and he went to that cross on Calvary and he died there for you and for me. And today, friends, if you are at that crossroad where you have, have never made that decision, where you have never made that choice, that choice is still available for you today. And you can choose 
to humble yourself and admit the truth and receive his grace and his forgiveness. Or you can choose to shove him away. But like I say, when you shove him away, you might as well just shout out the words, give me Barabbas. Let me ask you the question today as we conclude this time centered on the life of Jesus taking our place in the cross. Where do you stand with him today? Are you rubbing shoulders with him? Because if you're rubbing shoulders with him, the one thing that I know about rubbing shoulders with Jesus is that he reveals a lot of things in our lives that need to be changed. But if you're somebody perhaps that is content and likes to keep the distance, sure, you can hide. You can push him away. And you can forfeit everything that he has done for you. I'd like to ask you to bow with me as we go to prayer at this time. And as we bow in this quietness, just take a moment right now to think what he has done for you And if you're having a hard time to wrap yourself around that, let me just add a few words by saying what he did, he truly did for you. He did it so that you could be free. But the one thing that he doesn't want you to do is to scream out those words. Give us Barabbas by pushing him away. I personally believe that God's power, God's grace works beyond measure when a man or woman humbles himself before God. And comes to that place at the cross where we face reality. Heavenly Father, today we are overwhelmed by your great sacrifice. Lord, even though it took place some 2,000 years ago, when you died on that cross, Lord, you knew us. You were thinking of us. You knew our name. You knew who we were. Today I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us 
to know our place at the cross. It's truly a place where we kneel, where we humble ourselves just like you. Where we admit that we are wrong, but in return, we receive your power, your love, your grace, your freedom. Lord, that is my prayer for us today, that we would truly meet you at the cross. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.